What's good, everyone? Fellas, do you like to be comfortable? Do you like to look good and support a sustainable environment while practicing yoga? Ladies and gents, do you have a man in your life that you'd like to get on the mat looking fresh? Well, you now you can with <laughs> Om Apparel. Om.com forward slash hashtag TYLP. What does that mean? That means if you go to that address that I just said, you can get yourself 15% off eco active wear. Active wear that is made with recycled fabrics, even the packaging itself is recycled. So you can look good, you can support the environment, and you can practice yoga and move any way that your body demands. Just go to omohmme.com forward slash hashtag TYLP, pick out your gear, put in the promo code Kevin at checkout for 15% off. Not valid for clearance items. This podcast is also brought to you by 108 Asana Yoga Sequencing Cards by Yoguru. Simplifying your sequencing, helping you to bridge that gap between the studio class and your home practice. Making your practice accessible at home, when you're traveling, or when you're building a class plan. So their cards are designed to tailor your experience and your level to help you to get the most out of your time on the map. All the cards feature alignment cues, level guides, anatomy coding, and English to Sanskrit translations. Boom. Just go to yogaru.ie, that's yoga, R-U.ie, and use the promo code Kevin at checkout to get 10% off. That's yogaru.ie, promo code Kevin to get 10% off. Last but not least, this podcast is brought to you by Small Changes. I'm sure you know them by now. Based up in Drumcondra, Drum, if I can say it, Drumcondra, which is in North Dublin. And now they're going to be based a little bit more north in Glasnevin uh, near me. They are a whole food shop that are showing that small changes can make a big difference. So go to smallchanges.ie. Check them out if you're in the Dublin area, bring in your refillable cup and get 50 cents off your next brew. And before I forget, Heels Overhead, the handstand workshop, July 6th. Elbow Room, Saturday, 2 p.m. The last one in Yoga Hub sold out, so hopefully we get a good turnout for this one. It always makes it a lot of fun when you've got a good bunch of people. Uh, if you've got any questions, you can go to kevinball.ie go to the events and retreats page, send me a little message and I'll uh, answer any questions that you may have and you can, anything about the workshop and uh, maybe get you signed up. Yes. Today, my guest is Kevin Coidor. He is a friend. Uh, I'd love to say a colleague, but I'm, I'm not a research scientist from Trinity. <laughs> um, Kev is a PhD research fellow at Trinity College. Um, he, I first met Kev when we both worked in the AI or artificial intelligence field. Um, Kev is not just uh, a doctor in AI, but he's also a stand-up comedian uh, and a yogi. Yeah, so Kev has been to quite a few of my classes and often we, we meet each other pre or post class and have these deep, meaningful conversations about life. And I thought it'd be great to get Kev in and talk about, talk about Heliosphere, which is the... Uh, big project he's working on at the moment so let's welcome kev can you hear me yeah crystal it's 
a bit creepy. You're right in my head. <laughs> How you doing, Kev? Um, I'm okay. Um, Just okay. Yeah. Uh, We've started, uh, by the way. Oh, is it? Is it on? <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, on. I was about to say something that's not appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> we'll save that for a bit later. Um, actually, that leads me quite nicely into my first thing I wanted to talk to you about, and um, so saying inappropriate stuff. Because, and, and in fact, I didn't actually um, say I wanted to talk to you about this. Yeah. Okay. But. Amongst the, the other things you do, you've started in stand-up comedy. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and I actually did a yoga one the last time. Okay, go cool. I did like I did like a ten-minute piece about yoga. Basically, oh. um, it's uh, it's just a thing I started to get into. I started to get into. It actually came through yoga, so I started to. Um, to put to make a long story boring, basically, <laughs> basically, I basically started yoga. Uh, one of the reasons I started yoga was because of a back incident, and I needed to uh, I needed to just look at new ways to to kind of help my back. And yoga was amazing. It was basically took me off diphene and 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 really kind of almost healed my back. As long as I do yoga, my back is fine. And do yoga means like once to three times a week. So it's 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 a really good. Um, medicine for 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 back problems and um i then found out that um through that body experience that a lot of the stuff i'm doing is in my head in work so i'm sitting a lot i'm very mind focused so very rational um and especially if you're in research uh you kind of forget that you have a body and and yoga kind of brought that back a bit so i started going deeper into that so i started going to into um like um movement therapies movement uh um styles such as contact improvisation that's like a type of uh, dance where you you basically you basically uh you you meet um you meet in a safe space um with other individuals that like to dance there's no music it's free movement but you do make a contact with a person so you basically work with the with the balance system of the other person's body and with your own balance system and you just kind of find a movement just by connecting the bodies. Yeah, okay. So so I started to get more and more into this and then I started to also get into a special area of, of theatre called clowning, which is not the, the clowning that you would think about when you think of a, a circus. So it's not the white face and the big shoes and the wee and the kid's birthday party. Um, literally clowning where you emotionally try to connect with the audience just through your body. So this this body journey from Are you, so you're a mute then you're like a mime not not a mime no not that kind of no you're actually you're actually trying to get an emotional reaction from someone just by connecting with someone through eye gazing or through kind of just just being aware of them yeah. of your audience of the of 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 the of the person uh, of of the uh, people around you and um, and those those uh, those techniques are very interesting because they're not talking they're actually true body like you're really like aware of the other person's entire body how they react how they look at you and you can you can then if you if you connect with someone and Mm. you're laughing that person usually laughs back or if you're Mm. you're kind of looking for emotional responses in this in this kind of specific type of comedy known as clowning um you then um (laughs) and then i moved into a, a which is basically just fooling around. So you take off the clown nose and you just like fool around. Like if you take Beckett's Godot where you have um, Vladimir and Estragon, they're basically, it's a play about basically two guys just waiting in nowhere um, till this guy is supposed to appear called Godot. So it's about Mm -hmm. an hour where the two lads just basically fool around. They're just idiots waiting for something that never happens. And um, 
that then brought me to comedy so that's kind of the long story <laughs> boring but it but it is a journey through yoga because i kind of got this i kind of got this idea through um uh, bodily experiences and even in stand-up comedy which is again a bit more rational because you're kind of thinking and talking but you constantly have to connect with the audience so you're constantly constantly connecting with other people's reactions which are not speaking they're just looking at you and mm-hmm. you have to like look at people's faces and understand um how you're how how, how you're connecting because yeah. if, if you're not connecting you're not funny like if you look away if you look at your phone if you if you talk to an object or whatever else yeah. um nobody will laugh or give you an emotional response it only works through connection it's funny you, you talk about the um was it contact improv you said? yes yes because i have just come from jiu-jitsu this morning mm. i had given up jiu-jitsu for like i don't know over a year and i went back to this new gym that's open close by me and i thought that uh when i walked in there I was kind of, uh, you know, you're always a little bit apprehensive because you're 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 fighting essentially, and um, but I I thought that there's no there's no words. You're just moving, and if you look at two kids or two uh, puppies, they wrestle. That's what we do. It's yeah. it's, it's, it's a form of communication. You yeah. you, 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 don't, you don't need words. Um, but the 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 stand up comedy thing interests me because when I was young, I used to. Uh, do impressions and my, you know my, my them and, and I'd always do impressions um, of like Margaret Thatcher and like people from, yeah, yeah, people yeah. from the eighties, and uh, I remember my mum would say if someone would come around, like an auntie, oh do do that thing you do for Auntie Mary, and I couldn't do it when I was put on the spot to to perform. Yeah, I couldn't. Yeah, um, that is so. It, it's almost like you 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 can meet people that are funny, but then when you're standing up there trying to be funny like what was your what was your first experience like of of um like standing in front of people and trying to make them laugh yeah um i i think there's um there's a really nice um thing about stand-up comedy so for anybody who's into like public speaking or giving presentations or any anything that relates to standing on some form of stage um you can even think of ted talks that kind of setting um for for anyone in that space it's really interesting to do stand up comedy because you can't control when someone laughs you can you can control a bit um intellectual responses so if you're given a presentation about um let's say um how to set up a yoga school or something if you're like it's a very kind of a this is the process and people listen and they take notes and and then there's q and a so that's that's kind of something you um still daunting and hard but it's 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 easier to control the narrative of that and and what you want to communicate to someone and what you want to get across. Um, in stand-up comedy, it's 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 very different. You could walk up and you think you have these great jokes and you have it all going and and uh, and and no one's laughing. And the thing about stand-up comedy and that then again relates to this bodily experience, this connection that I, that I mentioned before, is it's often what you not say. It's often the breaks you make. <laughs> it's often you say something and then you just wait. Yeah. And then the laughs come in. Or you're looking at someone and you see that they're like smiling and then you like throw something at that person and you start going a little bit off script. Yeah. And that that's where the magic happens. It's basically it's basically um having a plan. So having some idea what you're going to talk about. Let's say some jokes about yoga. Like um, I did, I did one uh, two weeks ago about yoga, where I just did jokes about the different types of yoga that exist. You know, like this doga, hoga, <laughs> just even like laughing yoga, and I just did all these jokes about all these different yoga types. Um, and I, and all I had in my head is, 
a very basic story that I'm like someone who gets bored very easy. So I'm like checking out gin yoga, beer yoga. And I kind of had, had the list of these different yogas in my head and kind of an idea what I wanted to joke about in every one of them. But that was all. So I would say 70% was not scripted or prepared. Mm. Um, and, 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 and it worked. I got loads of laughs because I was like asking the audience who's doing yoga and this huge guy in the front row put his hand up. And I was like, whoa, that's what's the story here? Yeah. So I had a little two minutes with him and everybody laughed about that. And, like, and this is, yeah, when, you say, when you put his hand up, you were like, oh, this is gold. This is yeah, like, yeah. And, like, uh, and then, then there's lads, loads of lads doing yoga. And I was like, oh, and like doing a few jokes about lads in yoga because it's yeah. so female um, oriented. Or there's usually a lot of women in yoga classes. So it was kind of just playing on a lot of the things. So so you, you, you go into stand-up comedy usually with things that you think about a lot or do a lot, but you find some you find things that are just weird where everybody else actually thinks it's weird as well. So they connect with it. That is the thing that I, I had, um, I don't, when I teach yoga, I don't try to make people laugh. Um, but sometimes I recognize, oh, I feel awkward in a moment. And I, I, you say something for comic relief, you know, people say, oh, you say something to kind of break up something that sounds quite serious and you do it more so for yourself and everyone joins in. But what I realize is that people tend to laugh at the things that, uh, you're saying the thing that they don't say or yeah. that they, they don't think. Um, so, for example, I last week I said, I was talking about concentration. You find your drishti and looking at your hand, your finger in warrior two. And then I said, yoga is not just a physical practice. I mean, when was it? Because you're training your mind as well. When was it to be present? When was the last time you sat on the toilet without looking at your phone? Yeah, yeah. And there was a delay for about a second. Then everyone started laughing because everyone realized that it's something they no one wants to talk about what they do on the toilet yeah yeah but yeah. it's something they, they're like oh actually that's true i that realization that i um you know i do that and i thought why why did people find that funny like it's it's not because it, we realize a behavior that we don't talk about yeah what we yes. do on the toilet basically yes. um I mean, uh, and that segues us quite nicely into <laughs> what we're here to talk about today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. um, um, before, like, I, 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 to give people a bit of a background about me, me, me and you, is yes, <laughs> yes. in a relationship. Kevin, Kevin and Kevin. <laughs> let's just let's <laughs> let people know about our love. But um, so we we met through um, a mutual friend and, and, a, and a great company that are involved in the AI industry. Yeah. And um, I worked within AI for about two two years, maybe two and a half years. And um, I have a, a kind of a more of an understanding than maybe mo most about AI. And um, and, so, and social media yeah. and um i and i've realized that teaching yoga or being a yogi in inverted commas part of it is about being present it's about being non-judgmental and not not reacting and uh understanding not not being tying all your value up in aesthetics and or the material life or consumption yeah yet social media is uh accelerating all of all of the those those uh, aspects of our behavior and uh, the more and more we put ourselves out there the more convenient things become the less privacy we have so um i met with you last week to talk about heliosphere yeah. uh, would you mind telling people what there's in language they would understand <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah um yeah well i got um in, in my job and in, in in my research job in, in in trinity um i i moved from AI as my general research field, specifically 
um, language-specific AI. So trying to make machines understand what the meaning of written text is. Um, that, um, that research was always known as personalization or recommender systems, very much this, like if you read a certain article, um, then, then the, the machine would know what the article is about. Like let's say it's about yoga and would be able to, to relate that keyword with other keywords such as health and fitness and, and so forth and so forth. And then we're related with different articles or, or voice streams so that you, you basically get suggestions of similar content and text. And that, that would be the traditional um, research field I would be in known as recommender systems of personalization, mm. um, recommending content that is similar to your interest, um, trying to understand how you engage on the content. If you like it, click it, your viewing times, all these correlations basically. Um, so it becomes very quickly mathematical and statistical. And scientific in that way, um, but I kind of after a while figured that a lot of my research is is very much moving into social media. So it's if we just go to Facebook, we open Facebook and we see the Facebook stream, and my stream is totally different than your stream. Even yeah. if we would potentially have the same friends, mm -hmm. so even if we have the same friends, and even if we're living in the same city, you would still see different things in your new stream coming up. And that's again recommender system personalization. The same AI kind of principles apply, um, but now we have a huge. Now all kinds of new interesting things come up. Now we have things called the filter bubble, where suddenly. In your stream, you only see the stuff you're interested in and you mm -hmm. don't get any diversity anymore. Mm -hmm. So everything converges into being the same and being bland. And it's like, it's, like, um, it's like as if you would have a personal assistant who brings you to restaurants and every now and then you like Chinese a bit. And then that personal assistant thinks, oh, yeah, you're mostly going to Chinese. So I'll just bring you more to Chinese. Mm -hmm. And then after a while, you're just eating Chinese. <laughs> so but that's, but that's, that's basically it. That, that's the filter bubble. It just narrows everything down. So you lose diversity and serendipity and surprises and all that. Um, and, it, and it goes on with relationships. You, you start following people that are similar to you, than you. And you, you, you lose this diversity of meeting new people and, and also having a bit of a not a clash of, of ideas, but like that, that friction that if you meet someone who's maybe a bit different than you are or, or challenges you and, and brings you into new kind of spaces in, 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 in how you think, um, which traveling does beautifully. That's, mm. that's why traveling is so useful, like so super good for, for everything in life where if you travel to Japan, you just, you just bombarded with this new experience. And in social media, that's very hard because everything converges. So I started to um, work with the European Union um, and try to rethink social media. So if we, would, if we would do it again, how could we do it so that we have diversity, that we have privacy, that we still have, the, we can still do marketing, we still have all the commercial stuff, like we get the good of what exists, but we also try to, try to learn from the stuff that didn't really work. And it's easier to create a new social network then to fix the existing ones because the existing ones are just like a titanic like it's very hard to like change a boat when it's like on 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 full steam ocean um i mean it's they're trying it but I, I it's a very hard thing to do so i applied for funding from the european union and i and i got it like we, we have a full five-year project um with uh 15 different partners in in the european union um we have uh, the mission to create a decentralized social network. Mm. Decentralized means that there's no central server. So it's like a Facebook without a Facebook. It means uh, your phones or your devices directly con connect with each other and create organic networks, like more ad hoc organic networks based on the context or the space you're living in and moving in. Mm -hmm. um, so imagine like a WhatsApp, like 
multiple WhatsApp groups, but with the full social media capability. Um, and and based on that, and because social media is so uh, so present and so so immersed in our society and our mm. thinking, I created um, a, a kind of a, a video blogging platform that that you were. Um, thanks again for coming. You were, were part of last week mm. called the Heliosphere, which is basically um, a way for for me to communicate with anyone in society from a bus driver to a scientist to a thought leader in social media to a Mark Zuckerberg even at some point um, and just like what's the good the bad and the ugly of social media how do you use it how, how could we make it better what's the future of social media what do you think should 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 be should be out there um, and with that we then try to we try to help I'm not saying we'll solve it or create it but try to help a better or more empowering social media future mm. well it's funny you mentioned about like do you want more tea Kev mm. 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 Like, like Joe Rogan will have whiskey. We, we, uh, and, a, and a joint. And a joint. Yeah. yeah. Lemon balm tea with lemon grass. It's nice. Yeah, it's fancy loose leaf. Um, so it's funny because I've been doing a bit of research before you, you came and because I am fascinated in, in this topic because it's so uh, pervasive and invasive in our life. Um, YouTube. Of all the social media platforms, supposedly YouTube is actually the one that can have a positive uh, impact on our lives because um, you know we can we, we, we can search by what we want to look at and and uh, we can subscribe to certain channels. But th what you talked about the, the filter bubble, um, I think that we we don't realise this. You touched on two really important things. The first is that um, we are constantly fed stuff that reinforces yeah. our own opinion. Yeah. All right, and. We and the other thing is, then the other the effect that has is that we get so used to people that are like us, right? So you are um, you, when you come, you, we we don't find ourselves in confrontation as much. And then yeah. and I think what reinforces this and makes it more difficult is that the any confrontation we do have is now being when people say things like words of violence, you know. So you can't yeah. actually have a debate with someone. And although it is called social media. The written word is is not a great uh, tool for communication. It yeah. really isn't, especially in that in such uh, uh, um, brief for dialogue format. in that sense. For yeah, dialogue, yeah, yeah, yeah. for dialogue, exactly. Yeah. Kev. Or, or debate. Or debate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I forget who said it, but the pen is mightier than the sword in terms of affecting yeah. change. Now we don't have time to read what was written by that pen, or, or not. Not that we don't have time. We don't have the attention span. So therefore, I think the spoken word is mightier than the sword. And, and that is part of the reason why I started a podcast. Yeah. Because video, like the, uh, the video blogging platform, uh, Heliosphere, or podcast, you can actually um, listen in context, a long form, and get a clearer picture. Because I really believe that people are hungry for honesty. I think that I watched an amazing film last night, Kev, um, with a missus, went to watch, um, it's called Eighth Grade. Don't know it. Oh, mate, it's just it's just got loads won loads of awards and no, sorry, tell a lie, it didn't win any awards. <laughs> just, <laughs> did I say people are hungry for honesty? <laughs> yeah. no, no. Um, I remember reading. I remember in a, mag I read in a magazine. It goes, this should have won loads of awards. That was it. But basically, Kev, um, I, I thought this film looks like Buffy the Vampire. So it looks like some teen thing. I won't yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. But what was it? What it, it was about mainly was how difficult it is to grow up as a young girl or in just, there was a girl in this case, um, 
just generally like yeah. you know being a teen that teenager angst but how that's reinforced by social media and one of the things they did which was so clever was a lot of the time when you've seen her face you've seen her face through the glare of her phone Oh, yeah, so yeah. she's moving from her tablet to her phone to her screen. She wasn't having conversations with her dad at lunch um, when they had dinner together. And I, it made me realize that I didn't grow up on social media. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, my brain developed, my prefrontal cortex developed um, w- without uh, this this influence. And um, I think that, I'm going on a bit on Bill Warner, Kev, but um, <laughs> I think it, humans have an innate... Uh, negative bias you know we 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 because we we need it for survival you know yeah. and we there's a reason why the news is always bad news yeah, yeah because yeah. We, we think good news will make our life slightly better but bad news could kill us so so th- this is um this thing of fa- i think facebook you, you know more about this than i would but facebook probably realizes that they make more money or they keep more attention through having circulating bad news yeah, well, there's definitely there's definitely um, a tendency to to latch on to to news that is in some way uh, like screaming at you in a way like like just uh, let's say um, like popular or some some kind of some kind of so there's definitely in the human brain some kind of bias because every time I do an interview about social media and I do talk with like there's a there's a good few interviews with the press I'm on and I'm and there's like a professional journalist that shows up and we're in a similar setup maybe microphones or even cameras and like RT news kind of things and then um and the journalist is all nice to me and oh, we have a little chat a little coffee and as soon as the camera goes on he's like out of his gun so is social media destroying democracy and I'm like <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> I'm supposed to because I, I have a very positive tilt on social media like obviously there's challenges but there's like so many good things about it as well and mm. there's so many also touching on some of the things you said with the with the breakfast table with the girl with the screens I grew up with a Kellogg's box in front of my face like when I when I came down to the breakfast table I didn't want to talk with my dad or my mom because I was tired and I had to go to school and I didn't want to go to school so I would just put up like a the, the Kellogg's or the Frosty's box and just read the back of that and when I was in the train in the mornings everybody had a newspaper up like a wall of newspapers in the trains and now everybody's going oh look everybody's on the phone but back in the day, everybody had a fucking mm. had a newspaper in front of them. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 not, and fake news always existed. Like th- these are all things mm. that existed before. They're just more obvious, more speeded, more focused. Um, and, and and but none of all this is new. Not even social media. There's aspects of social media that I think are really revolutionizing the way we communicate, or maybe mm. even a new form of communication. Yes, but the social interactions and the challenges that social media bring to the table are not that much different than what we had before. That, Interesting. That, that's, 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 that's just what people forget very quickly. Yeah, you, you know? you, 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 what you've just said there, you, do, you don't often hear people saying that side of the story. Yeah. Probably because it's, it's it's not talking negative about social media. No, so no, no. That, so, no. It's no. good to criticise it or debate it no, because we have to fix stuff. What definitely. I'm getting at though is that like people talk, maybe like I, I have a habit of talking negatively about social media, but it's important also to realise how much have things really changed, really. Um, the, the other thing is, talking about decentralization of power mm. like now we can affect change through twitter through instagram we can without um through the people it's effen- essentially like p- the individual is more powerful than ever now yeah which 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 
must have a, a benefit um, to some degree in terms of like you know the government having control over us. Absolutely, and but but you, you kind of touched on on a lovely uh, point there, which is which is really in my mind very obvious with the fake news debate. Like there's um, there's now the technology for everybody to be a journalist. Everybody can post information. Everybody can share their opinion. You mentioned YouTube, or you can just like write blogs. You can just have great headers and say whatever your opinion is, and and you can spin stories and and get your clicks and all this kind of stuff. But with that power, with that freedom, comes an increased responsibility for everyone. It's the same as democracy. You can't run around and say, "Oh, the politicians are doing everything wrong," or oh, they're shit. Don't like. I'm not into politics and they don't represent me. But if you say that, then maybe you should get involved in democracy and change it. Mm -hmm. But most people are too lazy to do that. I mean, that's maybe a bit harsh to say this, but you can become a TD or someone who represents your constituency these days. Like you don't have to have a family that was a politician before. Um, and, and you don't have to come out of wealth. You can be part of a democratic process. And it's the same in social media. People see, and I'm just generalizing saying people, but, but I do it as well, just to put that out there. Um, you see a title of a news article coming up on Facebook, and it kind of is your opinion, and you just share it. You don't read it. You don't see who, who's, who's the source, who created it, what, what information did that person use? Is that information validated? You don't go through a journalistic process because just like, oh, yeah, that, that's exactly what I said in the pub yesterday and then you send it out to the friends and it's on WhatsApp and boom, out it goes. And that's how fake news spreads. It's not because people are creating fake news. It's because that's my opinion. It's because we don't build up as citizens the responsibility and the time to check stuff yeah. and to be critical about it. Yeah. We're all just like flying through the thing as if it's like zapping through televisions, not 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 knowing what the what the consequences are. But that's I you know the I think therefore I am is like now it's like I share therefore I am you know I I um it, I want to be heard because I think that we are scared of uh, we're afraid of intimacy so therefore we. Um, and what we'd rather do is just have loads of connections and let them know if something's going on. If something happens in the news, we're outraged and we're the first person to be outraged without, as you said, going through any kind of process. Um, and that is, um, but that, that, the thing about that is that, that constantly sharing, sharing, sharing is something I, I like I see, I, I, I go onto these apps and I log in through Facebook and I share things. I'm always logging into things, passwords. And I think to myself, I, I see T's and C's. I never, never read them. I just, yeah. I, yeah. who, who reads the whole thing? I just go straight into it. But what is, in terms of privacy, what is things that like, um, that the common man, woman, man or woman doesn't know? Do you think that they should know? Yeah, I think, well, I think it's kind of, mostly known that when you're on social media that everything you share will be used in in some way for creating an advertisement profile um so the the common um advice almost not coming from me but the general advice out there is you should never share something on social media that you wouldn't be saying on a table with people like mm -hmm. of, of which some are maybe strangers like i call facebook sometimes i say facebook if you post something into facebook it's like screaming something out into a pub of people it's like <laughs> the pub and then you have you have different different uh, setups for different um 
applications. If you take WhatsApp, for instance, WhatsApp because it's end-to-end -end encrypted, so nobody can read or hack the message in that sense. It can be hacked, but it's a huge, um, way too hard. So, so you can assume that what you put into WhatsApp is quasi protected. So it's not read by advertisers. Yeah. Um, and, and so that's more like talking with a couple of friends in a pub not more in a private conversation. Mm -hmm. um, so there's these, different, there's these different levels. But what, what I think is often forgotten is the whole world of Google. So I use Gmail for all my stuff. Mm. Gmail is free. And it's free because all your emails are read out for advertisement. So all the engagement, everything you email through Gmail is read through algorithms and Google, you look a bit shocked now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, is read through is read through algorithms for advertisement purposes, and um, and that's that's potentially more forgotten because people have highly private, highly sensitive debates through mm -hmm. email, which they wouldn't have on social media. Mm. So it's just in terms of privacy, it, it, it's a more holistic view that is needed beyond social media into all the other stuff we do, texting, mailing, GPS profile, mm. using maps, playing Pokemon, these kind of things, all yeah. that creates profile, all that kind of stuff. Gaming. So the, the holistic view of a user is, 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 is a lot more valuable. And that's companies like Google's are very, Google is very strong in that um, than just what you're doing on Facebook. But you're someone who knows like this to, you know, you're an expert in this area, but yet you still use Gmail. Yes, but I, but I don't, like, I don't email my mother, um, how's dad, um, we need to talk. I didn't like that phone conversation yesterday. Can you remember when I was a kid, you did such and such? I would never email that in Gmail because that, that's like, that's like highly private. Hmm. I would ring my mom. That's the difference. I think what's the switch where, 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 there's, there's, there's an increased and, f and, and I guess that's, that's kind of important. There's an increased, uh, at least psychological thing in my head to, to go back to more physical encounters, like pick up the phone and ring mm. or meet someone for coffee or, mm. or not having that debate through text because things get lost anyway. If you email or text, you get into this, into this weird misunderstanding kind of loophole. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so just don't, just, just ring. But are our phones listening to us? Yeah, but that's that's another that that's actually that's actually not completely true. That that like there's all these rumors that Facebook is listening to what you're saying because somehow the ad popped up about exactly what I said yesterday. Yeah. Technically that is very hard to pull off. Like it is possible but it's very unlikely that your phone has an open channel to some kind of yeah. remote computer that then reads out what you're saying. Yeah, I think yeah, because that's I've googled it and I've heard different see different things. Yeah. Um but it, the, I think ultimately the we sacrifice. There's one. So, sorry, Kevin, just to just go, go back to there's Facebook is testing, uh, and and I keep talking about Facebook obviously because they're the most um, progressive player in this space. I, I I don't care if it's Facebook or some other social platform, but what what is being tested is the so-called second screen experience. So basically, it's like Shazam with the advertisement, where you um, where your microphone is is for certain selected users who are part of a trial. What's being trialed is that the phone can hear if you're watching an NFL football game and then, okay, you're watching an NFL football game and you're browsing Facebook at the same time, then there's ads for like, I don't know, something, some pizzas or something, <laughs> you know, like that kind of stuff, yeah. the second screen experience. So always thinking, thinking of the business models of these platforms is purely advertisement. So 
it has to make sense in in a kind of a timely kind of manner because if i'm talking with you now about a podcast yoga or whatever comedy and social media um if i get a if i get an ad in two or three days about topics that we talked about i'm not quite sure if that's still relevant yeah. So so it's kind of so we're looking more the the, the the research will be looking more at these real time experiences while you're in the conversation and on Facebook. That's when the ad would have to pop up because that's where you would maybe then make a purchase. Yeah, I, but yeah. not like three days later. Yeah. Okay. Um, that makes sense. Um, so th- that that is things called second screen, is it? That's what they. Yeah, that's like if you're watching TV yeah. and you're on your phone. And, and Twitter is great for that. Like people do that all the time. They watch like Strictly Come Dancing or something and then they're on Twitter and just having yeah. a great laugh. Of course. Because that's, that's this second screen. Um, I think if you were to say to someone, what's more important, convenience or privacy, people would say convenience. Just Always. Uh, yeah, because and all the research points to that too. Does it? Yes, it's complete. Convenience always trumps. And there's another interesting research question is... Um, we did a survey um, in another project called Bigfoot about two years ago, which actually um, um, the company you talked about earlier with, with our common friend, the, the, basically in the AI, AI space, we did a few things about digital footprints. Yeah. And one question the survey was, um, do you mind that uh, social media companies are are uh, are using your personal information to uh, to pay the platform to stay profitable and so forth. Everybody, yes, like on a scale of one to five, yes, I mind a lot. And the next question was, yeah, would you, f- for not for that not to happen, would you pay $50 a year subscription? Because somehow the thing has to be paid. Netflix mm-hmm. has a subscription, yeah, yeah. Spotify has a subscription. Everybody goes, no. So how is it supposed to be paid by tax or yeah, exactly. just go away or something? Yeah. So does it, does it, there's convenience on privacy, but at the other side, people expect this stuff to be free, but not wanting to. So it's kind of a weird shift. I'm, I'm not saying advertisement is the right model. We need maybe a new commercial model around this. Um, but at the same time, it's kind of it's 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 a paradox. Even even mm-hmm. I I'm in that paradox. It's like I use social media at least maybe one to two hours a day, but at the same time. I'm thinking, oh, there's a lot of information that goes somewhere where it maybe shouldn't go, but mm. would I pay for it? Is it that valuable? You know, that's mm. so it's a bit of a... But I was watching, um, I, went down, I went down a complete rabbit hole on YouTube, like people do, um, watching Mark Zuckerberg when he gave his, uh, when he went Congress, you know, he had to talk to all those people about Facebook privacy. Did you see that? Like yeah, he, yeah. It's a really long, really long. And um, I, I don't know, and then I went watched like a, a body language expert breaking down his body language. And he's, I mean, he's fascinating because he, he does look seem like a robot that's been yeah, trained to speak like, like a human. Data, data and Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He looks like him as well. He does, yeah. really. He's got the kind of yellow eyes. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> no offense, Mark Zuckerberg, most powerful man in the world probably. Um, but, um, but when he says things like, um, we want to bring the world closer together, and I, it, to me it seems disingenuous. I, I, don't, I don't know how much I, I believe that. I mean, it is, I don't mean to be cynical, but as you said, they make money through advertisers. Yeah. And in order to get, make that money, th- what they sell to the advertisers then is our data. Um, do, I mean, do you think I'm being overly but, cynical? But and it, Maybe not, but but just maybe think of it more from a business perspective because the model is actually not that bad. Like, let's say you as a yoga teacher, um, and let's say you want to open a yoga studio and you, so you're a business owner basically in that case, um, and you want to attract more customers. 
So you will go into a social media platform, let's say the whole Facebook world, Instagram or whatever they own, or you go to Twitter or, or, or other platforms. It's always the same model. So your business owner, you want to post um, information about your new yoga studio, and then the platform will make sure that you reach the right audience. Mm -hmm. and that's exactly what this information sharing thing is about. Mm -hmm. So don't just, I, I would say, don't just, um, think of social media like the big guys and the advertisers it's actually amazing in that sense for someone like you who wants to open their own yoga studio puts 50 euros into an ad budget and makes sure that that advertisement which is in that case a promotion mm. um, hits the right people so that they come into your studio and start booking classes so it's, it's mm. actually it's actually a quite cool thing it, it just gets bad when it just gets bad when the social media platform is seen as something else. So if we take social and media, so it's not that social, it's a lot media, mm -hmm. but social media platforms are not good at building and maintaining relationships. That's what we're trying to do with the research project we mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. How can we use or create a social media future that actually empowers relationships? Mm. That's a big question. That's different. But what we have now is a social media platform or platforms that are amazing in promoting content for anyone who has a business. Mm -hmm. That's great. But don't use social media, I would say, for me in my world, don't use social media to have a better connection with your mother. Mm. That's not going to happen. Mm. So, and, and that's, I think, what people expect. And that's where maybe things go a bit off. Or maybe it's sold as such. Like you said, Zuckerberg is maybe saying, bring mm. the world together. Yeah, but it's it's like selling shit. That's yeah. what it's actually about. It's but it's it's instant media, as you said. Social media that is kind of misleading that term. It's it's instant media and it's yeah. But it's uh, but it's say talking about convenience. Like my um, girlfriend, she um, she says she's not on Instagram, doesn't do that, and um, doesn't use Facebook really. But yeah, I was talking about how we had the exact same conversation. Is your phone listening to you? Gmail reading your emails. And um, I searched for an electric car, and then with like 10 minutes later, I get an email about an electric car. And I actually thought, that's kind of handy because I, I, something I want to. Because it's relevant. It's relevant. Yeah. Exactly. Because, yeah. It, because it's relevant. But so, Kev, say like um, go, going forward, obviously you did the interview with me at Heliosphere. What is the, what's the kind of the next year or so looking like for that project? What do you hope to do then? Yeah. So, um, so what we're looking at is 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 a, and that's 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 like a, that's like an area that that is very important to me is trustworthiness or trust. So you mentioned earlier on, you mentioned that people want, um, uh, like information that they can that they can believe in. I think mm -hmm. you said or something like that. That's They're hungry for honesty. Yeah, honesty. Honesty was the word. Um, so honesty is a big topic authenticity is a big topic and authenticity is really interesting in Instagram and especially also in the, in the whole yoga kind of uh, sphere. Um, it's, it's this whole idea of um, social media allowing you to wear masks. So are you actually in the physical world, the same person as the person that you're projecting on platforms such as Instagram? And there's loads of very sad stories as well, where like you, you follow some uh, influencers and they have a beautiful life, party all the time, lovely body, 
doing great poses all the time or whatever but then there's like an extended then they kind of open up uh, because they started getting depression because they feel lonely and all this kind of stuff because a click is not the same as a hug and all this mm-hmm. and then they start showing pictures of where they were actually in some of these photos and it wasn't a pool at a party it was like some grim skyscraper and and there's like a cocktail glass in the hand but hidden from the camera and this kind of stuff so mm-hmm. there's this there's just this this really interesting side um for me as a researcher in the areas of authenticity and trust and i think authenticity and trust are two are potentially the two most important parts of 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 building relationships maintaining relationships and keeping relationships and and my research and the project uh, helios and and heliosphere is kind of a is kind of a um trying to in, investigate this um is very much about how can we create social graphs or social networks connections that um that are actually about empowering relationships mm. and 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 there there we can think of something um just to make it more practical if you're very introvert but you're actually quite lonely so you could imagine that a social platform at some point point becomes like a like a wingman you know it's not like a tinder it's like a wingman it's someone mm-hmm. who says okay you're at this party and and um like there's, there's someone over there that 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 emits certain behaviors that that might be easier for you to connect with so certain kind of certain kind of um relationship is possible so that that the first contact is possible so how can technology potentially help with that mm. um how how can how can a matchmaking kind of be done in a right way not by swiping left and right kind of bullshit um and then how can you create a platform where these relationships are maintained mm. such as just just you kind of have easier ways to connect but not replacing proper connections mm-hmm. or the way we create re- re- uh, connections um just just by basically um supporting that and the, the way i um i'm talking a lot about this now because obviously my head is full on in this space yeah but the, what i find fascinating is that our brain does that our brain creates amazing social networks so in some way our brain has social networks inbuilt like we we relate to people some people we trust more and we don't actually know why and then we contact them again or sometimes we lose connections but we remember oh that was actually a really lovely person a pity i don't have the phone number and and then we have some of those connections are really persistent like with family members and so forth so really strong connections then some of some we just forget because we're not in contact anymore but once they come back into our life that connection reconnects so our neural our, our basic our our brain the neural system in our brain is like a massive social network and and in helios we're trying to replicate or, or trying to in research some of those aspects yeah. and 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 trying to find out how technology can support it and and as a researcher i'm fine if at the end we find out that the best thing is to switch the damn thing off hmm. that's fine that's 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 a good outcome as well but maybe there's something where we can support people that are lonely. Maybe we can cure loneliness. That's a nice bold statement, especially in like older people. Mm. What's Kev? What's the because um, these devices are getting smaller and smaller. So look into like the future. And this is more not necessarily this project, but just your own opinion on working in this in this area. What is uh, the next? What will we be seeing in, in our lifetimes? Do you think in terms of how? I'm, I'm I'm getting to get into the thing thinking about things like singularity or how um, like a, a symbiotic relationship with our phone or technology. What, yeah. What's what are we going to see? Do you reckon? Yeah, I I think I think what we're going to see is a lot closer um, 
bodily experience. So that's again the interesting overlap to, to, to body awareness. Um, so if we just take the mobile phone, for instance, it's it's not so much about size, it's actually about it being something that we're touching all the time. We're feeling it, we're touching it. It's it's becoming an extension or part of our body. Yeah. And and we like the feel of it. We like the shape. We like we like that kind of thing. And I'm and I'm sure you've experienced this the same uh, kind of way. If you forget your phone somewhere after two minutes, it's just like you lost a finger or something. Yeah, like yeah. Something is missing. Something really essential that is part of me is missing. Uh-huh. Um, and that that experience will increase. So the vices will become closer. If if I if I maybe say it in a in a very in a very um, basically they just become closer to our body. They, be, they be become more embedded into our body at some point, which sounds very scary at the moment, but can become interesting if it's done right, um, where we uh, we might not be using devices in our hand anymore in a couple of years. We'll actually have some kind of contact lenses or some kind of small lens glasses um, mm. where we then, through an interface in our brain, we can control this device. Mm. So basically, when you do a Google query, like with the electric car, you, you basically execute a command through a brain interface mm-hmm. sounds totally sci-fi at the moment but it's it, it's something that 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 i think would definitely happen yeah um and um and then it's 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 always the same thing like the the actual experience uh, or what you're trying to achieve won't change just the access to these things will change become easier and more seamless well th- th- then don't you, do you think in our lifetime we'll be able to read each other's minds um, well, that's 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 an interesting question. The the um, the I, I I'm I'd be very careful thinking that that's possible. It could be possible, maybe. Um, and it's interesting to think about that. As mm. there's, there's loads of sci-fi kind of ideas around that, like complete transparency and all this kind of um, stuff. No privacy. Everybody has an open mind and and. Um, and what kind of society will we have? We would have no lies, no crime, mm. but at the same time, no privacy. Everybody would know everything. Um, wouldn't be that exciting, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's a nice thought experiment. But I think for that, we're like we're like really far away because there's so many things we don't understand. Like there's literally basic stuff we don't understand, which is even just the concept of trust. That's like close to impossible to understand because trust goes into value systems how you grew up the cultural context and everything Mm. and there's a lot of philosophical concepts that actually point to um, reading out minds being very difficult because of the language that we use which is Mm. deeply ingrained in the context we're living Mm. so so there's there's just massive challenges that that would have to be solved before we actually can do that it's also interesting if we think about yoga again that there's um this notion of memory being in muscle tissue and and trauma being in your body not just in your brain mm. so that actually there's other parts of your body that are thinking as well in in a way yeah so like, so so it's not mm, just like mm. we put a few chips in the head and then it's fine yeah. and then and then there's all these theories that nobody knows anything about which is aura perception energy exchange all kinds of stuff where we haven't even started to understand what's going on yeah because in, in western philosophy we we have always thought that we think from the brain you know the yeah. brain makes all decisions whereas maybe more so in eastern philosophy they uh, talk about the um what's your lymphatic system is it or uh-huh. you know not lymphatic maybe um 
essentially like that we have you know we have neuro neurotransmitters in our gut yeah. and um what what part of our body is actually making decisions and is in control yeah. and um yeah as you said i think reading people's minds is an interesting thought experiment but it's a big leap f- 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 uh from doing basic commands like opening your car with your yeah, mind yeah yeah yeah. Re- <laughs> yeah i think i think what it, it kind of it's just just even the subconscious or the unconscious as we call it and all the archetypical the kind of theory behind it, if we go into Jung and freud and and into all of that all of that is like we have no clue what's going on mm. like and and um there's there's been a few uh very nice uh research experiments where you're you're put into an MRI scanner which is basically like a massive x-ray machine which which creates a live view of where there's a lot of blood in your in your in your brain or a lot of brain activity in your brain mm-hmm. and what they basically did is they showed people ads like very iconic ads like Coca-Cola and the Marlboro Man and like this kind of stuff and they would scan people while they're watching the ad and then they would put them back in the scanner and would say now think of one of those ads and then they would, like, with a 98% accuracy, be able to say, okay, you're thinking of the Marlboro Man. Wow. Yeah, so that kind of stuff. But you have to intentionally focus on that visual image or that whatever you want to say. Mm-hmm. So that kind of mind reading can be possible. Mm-hmm. But, like, a full readout of what's going on, like, what's the deep stuff, yeah. you know, like, where are these thoughts coming from, where are your traumas, what's, what's all that stuff. That, that, I think that we're far away from that. Yeah. And even if we could, it would be actually interesting because it could maybe heal a lot of things as well. Yeah. Um, but at the moment, it's just a very high-level research in in just finding certain patterns and then replicating the patterns, which is actually AI or machine learning. We can replicate stuff, but we actually don't, don't know why. We don't know why the brain has a certain activity that looks like this if the Marlboro Man is, is in, your, in, your, in your thought process. You know? yeah. It's just like a cloud that's like shaped like a cigarette maybe. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> we, don't know, we don't know why that is, like oh, how the brain works or what, the fuck, what it is. There's no, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's just, uh, okay, we can simulate patterns. That's, that's it. And that, that kind of mind reading could happen where, okay, there's a certain pattern. So you're thinking about X potentially. Mm. You know, it's, it's like that sci-fi movie. Um, uh, what was it? Um, iRobot? No, no, that's actually <laughs> good. No, but I was thinking of uh, um, uh, with uh, Tom Cruise uh, with the precogs, precognition kind of where they, they know if someone's going to kill someone in the future or something Is like that. Is that die another day or like when he, the day, when he keeps dying? No, no, that's another one. Um, that the one. That's I'm, a really good one. Yeah, way. but 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 basically, the I mean, these these research things can, can get potentially a bit dangerous as well in terms of the dangers of AI and machine learning that's discussed a lot. It's like, okay, um, here's a kid um, based on all the scans we had from serial killers or kids that turn into serial killers this is a brain structure that looks similar to someone who could turn into serial killer we'll have to put him into a different school or something you know mm. that that's the dangerous stuff where we then pre preempt or pre almost prejudge mm. that certain things are moving into that direction yeah um yeah so fascinating it's it's as you mentioned like it's um it's just interesting to to hear you say do we have to turn it off? Like, as in, do uh, at one stage is is it going to get to a point where this isn't serving us? You know, it because it, it, uh, I suppose your research is to see like, can we use social media or uh, this technology to complement our social life, or is it a case of, you know, um, 
if it gets if AI gets too powerful, will we become like the chimps who were made extinct mm. by the humans? <laughs> well, actually, it's funny that you say that because I I went. Um, this is a couple of years ago when the whole Fitbit thing started and I went for a run with my brother and he's into like all these gadgets and stuff. I mean, I'm into gadgets as well, but he was like at back then he was way more into the whole Fitbit thing, which I didn't pick up that, that, that early. And I was, we were running down the street and we were like on like a 5k run or whatever it was. Suddenly he takes off. I was like, and I'm like what, what's going on here? And then he, then he stops and he slows down again. And I'm like, what are you doing? And he said, yeah, I'm, I'm running based on what Fitbit tells me my heart rate should be. Wow. <laughs> so he's like, yeah. He was totally controlled by whatever, <laughs> whatever the beep uh, was given him. Yeah. So, so if we think of um, specifically um, wearables moving very much into the health space, um, it is quite possible and it might be strong in yoga as well. Who knows? Like it is quite possible that you will be having um, some kind of that you will receive some kind of feedback through some kind of wearable device will actually tell you hormone levels will tell you like yeah. all kinds of stuff and will then give you a recommendation of what you should eat or behave like it would it would basically say um, your your blood sugar levels are a little bit out of whack you might be in danger of feeling a bit anxious in the next half an hour so you should kind of walk down the street there's a shop actually here little ad coming in and, and they have a deal on for eating apples or whatever buying apples and yeah, yeah. so so that kind of stuff could happen and but then again um it just becomes a problem for society and that's something we have to solve on a on a kind of political level mm. and a regulation level is if that readout goes to your insurance company and they then say well you did not behave the way you were recommended to behave and that's why your premium is going up. Ah, yeah. So as long as we have freedom of choice, it's like the, the, the gizmo tells me my blood sugar is going out of whack. And if you don't eat an apple in the next half an hour, you feel a bit anxious. But I'm like watching telly and I don't really care. Mm. So, okay, then I just feel a bit anxious. But it's my choice. As long yeah. as it's my choice, it's a recommendation system. But if it's a forced, like if I have to act on those recommendations yeah. because I'm nudged towards it and I have to then do it because otherwise I'll be penalized in, a, in, in, a, in, in society, mm. then it becomes dangerous. And and that's something again. It's that's part of a democratic process. Like that's 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 something that can be regulated and, yeah. and can be protected against because commercial interests could be strong in getting your readouts, your biological readouts. Yeah, that's a fascinating yeah. concept, isn't it? Um, so you're saying so for now, humanity, we're, we're good. Don't be afraid of the robots just yet. Yeah, no, I don't think I don't think the danger is in 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 the danger is in those spaces, in those obvious spaces. The danger is more in like hidden spaces. The danger is more in um, like stuff like uh, me, um, like uh, uh, military applications for AI. I mm. think that's very dangerous. Uh, um, like we'll start seeing. Uh, police forces using drones for crowd control mm. so democracy can be democracy in in a democratic process it's very important to to go out and protest um but obviously if the if the system doesn't like those protests or what the direction is taking um that could be controlled more um so does this this and then on a more military level we see like robot soldiers um, where specific countries will just be a lot more dominant than other countries mm -hmm. because they don't have the military robots. You see where that goes. Um, we see it with the drone wars with the US, basically, mm -hmm. where where you just have like someone in a remote control situation um, bombing bombing targets. Mm -hmm. um, 
and those those applications uh, I would be a lot more worried about than than is 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 some Facebook kind of telling me to <laughs> I don't know buy a dog or something because <laughs> I talked about a dog yesterday in the coffee shop you know like the, I mean that's concerning but yeah. it's not destruct destructive in a way that's that what that's what I would think but I think I think what you're doing is you're bringing it to the for, the conversation to the forefront of people's minds and that uh, and to to simply question um what would be the benefits of having a decentralized system where all the information is just at one place and yeah, um yeah. and I think that it's um just to have people having this conversation is that that's what affects change isn't it yeah absolutely but it's also it's also knowing that um it's it's an individual that can change things like we we can like it, it's the old it's always the same story like social media didn't change anything it's like if we stop consuming drugs all the drug crimes and all that stuff will go away you know it's like our behavior mm. it's like supply and demand kind of stuff so if we stop um just clicking around on facebook and just believing everything that's said and we actually do some research mm -hmm. then nobody will be actually interested in to spread fake news because nobody consumes it anymore mm -hmm. so it's 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 a lot to do with that and 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 keeping in mind that we're in a capitalistic value system where there's a certain notion to maximize profits in a shareholder value kind of sense um so any technology any ai application anything that really kind of become successful is usually about making money and just mm. being aware of that is really important it's not mm, about yeah. creating a better world mm -hmm. because that doesn't make any profits mm -hmm. so um so even in the even in the research project that i had that, that i'm working on um creating better relationships we have two partners that are just looking at the commercials around that because stuff has to be paid. Mm -hmm. it, it, it could be a non-for-profit. It could be a charity kind of thing. It could be like a co-op or who knows where it goes. But there still is a necessity to cover costs and to to, to, to drive these things. And and all the really, really, really successful platforms from, from Twitter to whatever, um, and a lot of the machine learning applications as well, um, are very much driven by profit maximization or some kind of maximization of value. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and that's ultimately what it's about mm -hmm. so so it's 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 not that um it's not that uh, exciting or 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 or, or how should i say um or well in a way not that dangerous yet because mm. it, there has to be some kind of supply and demand situation yeah. but i but i think there's there's areas where that doesn't apply and that that's specifically military um that, that that's politics in general if we see like how how social media was weaponized for 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 influencing uh, elections yeah um that that kind of stuff um where it's not specifically about money it's about power more the bigger mm -hmm. systems um also ai used in 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 in, in medicine as such like um, genetic kind of things going on bioscience um those are all things that are potentially a lot more disruptive to society mm. um than than the more obvious commercial kind of things that are happening yeah, because you think about um, threats being, you talk about the military, but also there's a threat, to, like political threat, where people can have fake accounts and yeah. uh, sway opinions when it's actually not even coming from real real people. Yeah. Um, and that's something you, you don't think about. And then that uh, has a, a trickle-down effect on the citizens of that country or, or place. Um, so, Kev, if people want to... This is a sign-off. Uh -huh. sign Any final words? or if, uh, Where should people go to find out more? 
Um, yeah, I, I the guess. The floor is yours. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I guess um, one uh, maybe maybe just uh, as a, as a shout out. Basically, the you yeah. mentioned heliosphere. So um, basically, just if you want to check out the website, it's heliosphere um, dot social, um, and and there we have like a booking system, like a join the debate click and you click on there and you can book a slot um which is a 20 minute conversation with me a video conversation basically just what you did um where we basically discussed the the good the bad and the ugly of social media and uh it'd be interesting just to get different perspectives so anybody who's interested in continuing basically the conversation we had here Mm -hmm. uh, on a one-on-one basis uh go to that website um but also more in a general um on a more general note, I mean that's okay. That's like a project I do, and it's interesting. And whoever wants to do it, I'd I, I be, I, I'd love to talk with as many people as possible. And you get a free coffee and everything, and you come into Trinity and blah blah. blah. Um, but on a more general scale, like for the future of humanity, basically, uh, <laughs> yeah, like it's really, and I think that's really important is 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 just to get involved. And social media is very democratic, and the design of social media is very democratic. The whole entrepreneurial process is democratic in a way that you can just you can learn programming and you can actually create a social media platform if you want like i hear that this guy who this this canadian guy who who came up with a new um dating platform because he was sick of tinder and he was just getting really anxious and really lonely and everything and he just within a few months he just learned to code and created a new dating platform like that's a very democratic process these tools are free you just have to put your focus on them and, and, and do it. And um, so I, I would I would I would invite uh, everyone to just see social media very much like democracy. It's not like, oh, I have nothing to say and it's those guys and whatever. You, you it's your behavior that drives these these designs. So so just just be more reflective on those behaviors. And and, and not all the time. Like I, I don't either. Like I, I do crazy shit things on social media and and, and I sometimes post stuff I shouldn't and I, I, everybody does. it doesn't mean just because you're a researcher in social media you're not like doing great shit like that doesn't happen mm. but just being a bit more aware of it mm-hmm. and, and that can help a lot and just joining debate like through the heliosphere joining the debate or these podcasts just 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 just, just be a bit more open by joining the debate and also participating in, in change of it mm. in a way that, that is possible. Um, and, and and the easiest way is just maybe in some in some parts changing behavior and changing behavior I don't think is good in just not using it anymore like not using social mm-hmm. media or, or technology digital technologies um, but maybe just being more aware of its usage mm. perfect Kev thank you very much Kevin. done yay <laughs> that's it we're done I'll leave you with Om Apparel men's clothing that want to encourage more fellas more geezers more chaps whatever you want to call us to do yoga yoga is in these guys and gals dna and it is reflected in everything they do from being kinder to the environment by using sustainable and recycled fabrics to their recycled paper packaging and their focus on fellas health Their fabrics are all eco-certified because our planet needs to be looked after, especially in the manufacturing process. Go to om.com forward slash hashtag TYLP. Check out their full range of eco-active wear for men. And when you use the promo code Kevin, that's my name, that's Kevin, at checkout, you get 15% off. So om.com forward slash hashtag TYLP. Check check yourself out, put in the promo code Kevin and get 15% off. And lastly... 
if you get a chance to be in the Dublin area around the Dromcondra area specifically, check out small changes. Little tiny grocery store making a big difference for the community and for the environment. Smallchanges.ie. If you're in Dublin July 6th, this is definitely the last thing I promise, come to my handstand workshop. Why not? Heels overhead, the handstand workshop. Well, a handstand workshop. Uh, it's uh, the last one sold out in Yoga Hub. So this is the next one. If you've got any questions, you want information about that, go to kevinballyoga.ie and you can go to the events or retreats page and you'll find all information there and you can reach me via a little micro form. I'll answer any questions you may have and maybe get you signed up. Thanks so much for listening. As always, look after yourself and I'll catch up with you next week.